Before we start this podcast, I just want to say the first six minutes of audio got corrupted, so we had to use the camera audio. So after the first six or seven minutes of the podcast, the audio will go back to how it normally is. So just bear with us till then. Thanks. Greetings, everybody. This is Morning Eggnog. My name is James Font. With me, as always, Caleb Font. Good morning, everybody. And with us today, we have Adam Greaser. Hi there. So Adam is a... Aspiring, or are you officially a funeral director? I'm not a funeral director yet. Okay, so you're an aspiring funeral director. Yep. How does that work? What does that mean exactly? Uh, I would be in my apprenticeship program right now, which is a year-long program. Uh, And I just graduated from Mortuary College in December, and so now I'm just kind of starting out. (sighs) Mortuary College. I remember it well. (laughs) And then I went into plumbing business. (laughs) And then I guess we'll, we'll ask the question, what made you want to get into this? Well, obviously, I'm a sixth generation, okay. so that's kind of part of it. Sixth generation funeral director and mortuary. Yeah, and embalmer. We were embalmer. funeral director and embalmer. Funeral director and embalmer. Yeah, okay, wow. so uh, what is, I guess what is what is the word mortuary or mor- mortician uh, encapsulate? Mortician would kind of be like one term for both of them. Like if you okay. combine both of them, you'd call yourself. So the mortician, a mortician. is a funeral yeah. director and an embalmer. So and then I guess you said that we are here. Um, in Northwest Ohio, mm-hmm. and you said you guys <laughs> have the biggest one of the one of the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh shoot, no, crematories! You know, crematories! Yeah. I, was, I couldn't think of crematories in America. No, 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 no. In, in, I would say in Ohio, in this region, okay. that kind of thing. Yeah, I was okay. gonna say. Do All right, maybe? quick quiz. Yeah, what's the temperature? How hot do you have to to get this? Secondary chamber sixteen hundred degrees. Primary chamber one thousand two hundred fifty degrees. Next question. What is the most expensive urn oh, that geez. you guys sell? That we sell? Yes. Probably $400. Oh, wow. Like that's a, it? Like a metal urn? <laughs> I want gold plated, man. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be expensive. No, see, I'm just going to I'm gonna buy the cheapest one, which is just a trash bag. <laughs> yeah. That's my package. Yeah, it's it's, it's 75 cents. <laughs> it's a Walmart special it's right there. It's included. <laughs> it's included in the price. <laughs> So six generations. Has it all been men? Yes, but my grandfather, who has been licensed for 62 years this year, still lives um, in the area, and he has said for years that the business wouldn't have been able to operate if my grandmother wasn't a part of it. So though she wasn't licensed, she essentially ran the business for all those years that he was. He was. He involved. did the work, so, and she ran the business. Yeah, she she was she was the one that made it keep spinning. So well, there is the saying behind behind every strong man is a stronger female. Stronger female. <laughs> but um, okay. So then, I guess, how did you start this journey? When did when did you know you wanted to be a mortician? That's a that's a complicated journey. Is it beaten to you since you were born? No. Like you are going to work on a dead body. No, no. My my father was uh, my father was an HVAC specialist. Um, okay. And he worked for Bard Manufacturing, so okay. he was actually never in the business. Um, but my uncles have been. My grandfather has been. From a very early age, I thought I was going to do this. Like I'm talking five years old. Oh wow! And then I went on like a whole path. I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a pharmacist. I wanted to be a pediatrician. I wanted to be a chemical engineer and then I switched I started working when, the day I graduated high school the next day I started working at the Fugrise of Funeral Homes and um, I switched I, after my first day I wanted to switch my career because it was just shell shock so what okay the first day what happens can you remember but I got first thrown day? right into it so, I, okay so like yeah. 
<laughs> you, you walk in the office. Yep. Did they did they have a specific dress code or anything? Yeah, business casual because okay. there was no nothing like no funerals that day. But okay, I got, you're 18 years old. Yep. You walk in the office. Mm-hmm. What happens? I they're like we're you're gonna see everything that we can show you today. Oh my god! Because oh. my uncle said before. He said, I, I'm proud of you for wanting to go into this. Before you're going to make that decision, you have to go through everything. You know, you, yeah. we have to make sure that you can handle, you it. Can handle it. So uh, I got thrown right into it. And after that day, I went home and I said, Mom, I'm going to switch my major. I can't do this. And no, because yeah. you're dealing with death. And yeah. you're like, uh... it, was, it was a crazy, eye-opening day. And uh, so, do we want to expound on the day? I mean, I was I was helping in the back room, what we would call the back room. Mm-hmm. I was observing embalmings. I was observing meeting with the family, everything like that. And that's meeting, just a, yeah, meeting with the family is oh my gosh, rough. yeah, that the, all the whole from the body to the family, mm-hmm. that's got to be tough um, emotionally. You know, it's it's mentally and emotionally, it was just a rough day. For an 18-year-old, you don't even know what emotions are. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You're like, I don't know how to process this. Exactly. So this like, lady was screaming and crying, and I, there, someone was on the ground. I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. And so I I went home, and I switched my major to education, because that was kind of what I wanted to do. I was Teaching people. Those, yeah, teaching. And music music teacher. And um, so I switched my major, switched my major to education. I never really okay. switched my major, but... Um, then I realized that I can kind of do both, which is why I like to do these kind of things, you know. Yeah. Um, How so? Educate. How can you do both? I, I like to educate people. Um, I go to some high schools every year, talk about, you know, the psychology of death and that kind of thing. And uh, I, I found that I can be a niche. I, I also want to be a pastor. So this job allows me to do kind of all of it. Okay, so be, you, there's a faith element. There's There can be a faith element. There doesn't have to be, but I, I can at least be... A, a good person for them at that time. I can kind of provide a ministry for them. Uh, I can be there when they're their lowest point, and I can also teach people as well. So and it sounds like you're also music musically ta- talented. So I, I you can actually music. jump in if you need to and <laughs> yeah. add in some music if you have we, to. We've been dabbling in that. Maybe bring a keyboard into the funeral home. And yeah, that'd be good. A little bit. Why so, not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just that little extra element right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess. I don't know how to, where to go off from there because that's that's you were telling us before the podcast that there's a difference, there's an immediate difference. Not all is it always that you can tell between um, a, a family that's religious and a family that's not religious. It, it, it's it, I mean it's something that we look for. Yeah, it, yeah. It look, it's something we look for. Usually, if there's a sort, certain religion behind a family, they're used to like gathering and they make it more of a celebration. A death is more of like a celebration because they believe in something after death. Um, so you usually see more like potluck style. You'll have food there. Okay. People are more like chatting. People- and see, that's all I'm used to is yeah. Yeah. This is how many funerals I've been to. It's always ham sandwiches on buns and white potatoes. buns and yeah and potatoes. Yeah. yeah. That's it's those are the two staples of funerals. Mm-hmm. And as <laughs> as dead inside as this is going to make me sound. One of the main reasons I like weddings more than funerals is the food's better. Yeah. <laughs> interesting point. You're not, you're not wrong. Yeah. But it's 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 very interesting because normally weddings are always a celebration, mm-hmm. but as you just said, funerals can sometimes be both. I guess what's what's the other side look like more? You see a lot more people standing by the casket. They don't really like to leave the casket as much. Um, I know, like if a if a grizer passes away, uh, it, people are just kind of 
it's just here. a big gathering. It's just yeah. a big gathering. We're like, oh, sudden. all the grazes are Yeah, and like the people are like, oh, there's a casket in the room too. And you're like, wait, what, when that happens? So, <laughs> so like usually, usually the grazer. Do, do you do you guys go up and and critique everybody else's embalming? You're like, oh, I could have done a better job. <laughs> uh, no, not really. <laughs> I guess I should be looking at that now, making sure I get quality. But <laughs> your hair looks amazing. How did you get it to do that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, I will do that though. I'll go up to a funeral director and be like, I, "By the way, I'm also trying to be a funeral director, and what are some tips you have for me?" And that what kind of thing. So, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of these guys. It's not a business that many young people are getting into. Mm-hmm. It's one of the trades that are dying. Yeah. Nobody ever. <laughs> Okay. It's not... <laughs> I get all the puns. I know all the puns. Well, but yes, they, every day. But yeah. they're all like, oh, you, you know, HVAC, uh, plumbing, electricians, and all these things. All these, you know, trades the, are dying those and going away. Trades, and but nobody think... ever thinks about a mortician. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, I, I would say that it is an older generational uh, thing. It's and funeral directing in, in general is there's a lot of experience. So like I go to school and I pass the national boards and everything like that. And I really don't know anything like how to meet with a family or, cause that's just all well, experience. driven. C- because they can't bring a family in and be like, all right, your loved one passed away. <laughs> yeah. Act for this college student and teach him how to deal with this yeah, emotional yeah. roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. We, Somebody's people's parents just died. Oh, wait, wait. We need you to te- help teach a class. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you and can't do that. I, I'm repping my I'm repping my alma mater. It's like my the best place in the world. And they do an incredible job of making sure that um, we get some real life experiences, but it's all mock. So like, yeah, we mm-hmm. have like one of my classmates would play a grieving person and I would be the funeral director and we'd work on that. Um, so that, that was really helpful. But again, until you're actually dealing with real people grieving, it's, it's really hard. And everybody, I mean, from my tiny experience, everybody grieves completely differently. Completely. And it's, I guess what are, what are the, what are five different ways you've seen people grieve as weird as that question is? Well, you got the, the people shut down or become silent because they just don't know how to they would rather, they can't process it. yeah they would rather they would rather just not say anything because they just don't know what to say mm-hmm. and then you have the people that are the opposite who just talk because they're trying to work through everything and they just have to say everything to hopefully um, get whatever they're trying to say out and then you have the people that usually are you know okay with it because my grandfather has always said there are worse things in life than death if you're dealing with you know a, a long-term terminal illness and death sometimes is a benefit for some people because it's finally the you know they're done with their ailment and then you have the people that are really upset and they're angry and then you have the people that are really sad so it and but people grieve completely differently which is why the psychology behind death is just it's a it's, it's a immense. weird it's immense yeah yeah because there's so many different personalities mm-hmm. um that each personality is going to grieve a little differently and process it a little differently well, yeah and like so i lost my dad when i was 13 and i just lost my grandmother a year ago next week and like i grieved my grandmother differently than i grieved my dad so like even one person has different ways to grieve throughout you know because it's it's a different relationship with exactly Mm. exactly it's true because uh my my grandmother passed away that's the only personal close death i've had Mm -hmm. to me in in 2011 Mm -hmm. but it wasn't horrendously sad because she was 101 years old she lived a great life she Mm -hmm. she died um, she actually lived with us the last seven years. Yeah. And so she died at our house mm-hmm. in her bed. As far as we know, she wasn't in any pain. Mm-hmm. We just went to bed one night and when we woke up, she was gone. Yeah. And it's, it's, it really, 
I was very young. I was how old was I? I can't do math, but I was <laughs> I was <laughs> I think I was eleven, mm-hmm. and. We had lived with her for seven years. We had seven years to say goodbye. It wasn't in, it was, we knew it was coming. She's 101 years old. So, but when my parents die, as you just, it's, I'm just basically reiterating what you said. When my parents die, it's going to be a completely different thing because, or if uh, one of my best friends dies, Mm -hmm. or it's, it's, it's a really somber topic, but it's also just, Really interesting, as you said, the psychology. You said you took psychology in, in college? I, yeah, I took a bunch of psychology classes, but I focused on psychology. I took a couple seminars and that kind of thing to try to... How did that... Does that uh, better equip you to deal as a funeral director? Yeah, because I, if I can give any piece of advice for anybody, it would be that so many people try to say something to help somebody that's grieving, and really what people need is just somebody to listen to them. Um, because Americans in general try to push death off that's why we come up with like the idioms of like pushing up daisies we refuse to say that that somebody has died you know they've passed on they've gone to the next chapter you know everything like that and americans have a have trouble just being realistic and saying that somebody has died and it it hurts us more than it helps us because then we can't really deal with deal with the grief that we have and that that, as you said it's an american thing it's a very cultural thing Mm -hmm. because other cultures um celebrate death yeah so I guess, did they teach you um, in the psychology classes, did they teach you all of the different kinds? I guess that, that it's not focused on death per se, but culturally, how varied are we? You said there's that. Do you know the different other cultures, how they deal with death? Yeah, I mean, to a degree, I, I had to take a world's religions class in like my gen ed classes, and then I had to take a kind of like the history and the contemporary of all the different religions with death. And just across the globe, especially as you look into, you know, the Eastern Asian cultures and stuff like that, they're just much more in touch with death. They're yeah. like, it's, it's just an easier thing to deal with because people are very devote over there and they have rituals and the rituals are beautiful and that kind of thing. So they're much more in touch with it. They, they face it with more, you know, reality, I guess. Hmm. So they have a better way of dealing with death. It, not necessarily like better or worse, but they just have a different way that's it it forces them to be very involved in the death. Like in the Hindu faith, the son has to, like if it was actually in India, the son would have to, the eldest son would actually have to start the fire to begin the cremation process. And that's something that we get away from a little bit in the American culture because you'll have families that come in and say, we just want this over with and that kind of thing. And that might be what they need or might what, and we, we provide whatever we can, but, um, the one the one thing that we always look at is you know if you're more involved in the process you're probably going to be a little bit better off with your grief throughout like as you as you go on yeah because i mean that's why we do the pallbearer thing Mm -hmm. because you you are transporting the body but one of the one of the crazy things is that's what we do as americans we're like all right like i do it with my taxes i do with my car Mm -hmm. do it with a family member that dies, you just shove it off to someone else because mm-hmm. you don't want to deal with it. And that, especially with a, a dying or a, a, the death of a loved one, it's that's that's mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like um, we'll see families that they don't want to have any types of services, which is like something that I would always stress to do. You know, even if it's just the smallest thing, like it it, it means so much to people, and I think that it helps them out because without one of the one of the Closure. Age, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, closure. And one of the age-old um, things that shows that death is, has happened is some type of gathering. Mm. Um, you can look back 
thousands of years. And so they, when somebody dies, there's always a gathering that happens. And sometimes people get away from that. And even if it's just the simplest thing. Because they want everything to go back to normal. They want everything to go back to normal. They, they, they don't want to have to stop their day and go and look at a family member. Correct. And it's and that's just like actually the opposite. Because if you don't do that, it's going to be really hard to go back to normal. And some people might be able to because everybody has a different relationship. But without that service, it's really hard to go back to normal. So Not healthy, at least. Yeah. Have you seen a difference in like age groups? So like, Ooh, is, for, for, is it easier for older people to, to deal with this rather than, you know, like our age mm-hmm. uh, to deal with it? Do I would, you see a difference? Yeah, in I would say like older people can grieve friends a little bit easier just because it's more, I mean, it's more prevalent. They have more practice at it, I guess you would say, because they have more friends that are dying. Um, but I think old people, if they lose a spouse or they lose somebody else in their family, it's still really hard for them. I, I, I think they deal with it. Uh, young people, I, again, it all depends. I think that they, they grieve differently, but, um, especially friends, I've seen some younger people die and their friend groups, they have an exceedingly difficult time with it because it's just, it's We're not gonna live normal. forever. Yeah. And, and it's not mm. normal. Like you, you it's okay to see a 93-year-old in a casket because that's normal. Yeah. But to see a 16-year-old in a casket, that's not normal at all. Like, no. So it, that's that's a difficult thing that you have to deal with, and those are really hard. And people think that funeral directors, they're just, like, stoic and stoned to all of it and, like, that we don't really feel the emotion because we've just done it so many times. Yeah. There have been times I, – I can think of one in, in particular. There was a time where I had to remove myself from the service because I was just – I was losing, I was losing it. I, yeah. I was I was crying in the back of the church because I was like, "This is awful. This family is just yeah." So it, wow, yeah, it does take a toll on you guys, even though yeah. you do it. I don't know thousands of times mm-hmm. in your lifetime. Yeah, you would not, think it's one of those things where death is hard. It doesn't matter what you do or mm-hmm. what you are, whether you're a funeral director or a firefighter or a police officer. You still uh, you're still impacted by death. Yeah, and I mean it. Uh, it death will touch you in different ways like if your if your dog dies or mm-hmm. your cat dies and so you can slowly become a not accustomed but you can start dealing with it better and better if you have animals but it's that's a, that's another psychology thing i would assume is if you've never dealt with death in your life uh, absolutely uh, so, so me, how does that work so i forget what psychologist it was but they said that our generation is the first what they would call deathless generation meaning that we're getting to 20, even 30 years old without experiencing a death that's close to us. Where back, you know, at the early 1900s, it oh, wasn't yeah. it wasn't uncommon to lose a brother or sister because the times were just tough and people just were good at dealing with it. And because of that, they could grieve a lot healthier and um, they kind of just... Now moved. you just mash it down and you keep you just suppress it until one day you pop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it, so like... Now we're we're getting to this thing where we've never dealt with death, and we're twenty years old or thirty years old. That's a long time to not actually practice grieving. I mean, you have to practice grieving. Unfortunately, it just, just doesn't come natural. Mm. And yeah, so with people without animals, it's that's that's an interesting interesting thing. But also, mm. we've become so, <laughs> so dis our family in particular has become so desens- desensitized to death because like we would have. Um, a whole litter of kittens die or something. Yeah. And we're the weird homeschool kids, so take that as you want. But uh, <laughs> my mom would use it as a school opportunity to show us the circle of life. And she's like, all right, so now we're going to go 
throw these in the river to feed the turtles. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because children's grief is something I'm except like I'm exceptionally interested in because obviously I was 11 when I lost my dad. So like that's something I'm interested in. And they we talked about at school like so many times parents are caught off guard when their child asks them about something about death. Like they'll see roadkill on the side of the road and they'll be like, what happened there? And their parents dance around it and everything like that. Mm. Where, well, it's know, like the birds and the bees talk too. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't, we don't, parents like, okay, well, we can't talk about that yet. They're not old enough, but we don't give kids enough credit. They'll understand a concept. You just got to tell them Ex- about it. You got to explain it in their terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. I wonder if it is better to see death at a younger age because you're able to express yourself more. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you're not as hardened. Exactly. You're not, you're not the American, you know, stand strong, don't cry, all that crud. Um, so you're actually able to express it more, um, you know, as a kid than you would be as an adult. Well, so that way it would help you. Yeah. It, it's, you're more allowed to cry, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. And I mean, so you look at the age graph of three to five year olds, it, you'll hear it all the time. Why is grandpa sleeping? Or why is grandma sleeping in the casket? Mm. And that's very normal. That's at that age, that's what they think death is is they're just sleeping they're going to wake back up but it's it's important for parents and for families to say it, it might look like grandpa's sleeping but grandpa has died and you know try to explain that to him and usually it it might make him sad but we got to understand that crying is not bad you know mm. you can cry it, yeah as an american as an american man you yeah. don't cry exactly you exactly. mash it down till you pop yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. to quote cool Burr. yeah yeah <laughs> so it, it's just that you know People people think that crying is weakness, where crying or just emotions in general can really be powerful during a funeral service. So, hmm. mm-hmm. so I uh, let's dive back into embalming then, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really interesting to me. I I don't know how to ask this delicately. Yeah, <laughs> someone passes away. Mm-hmm. What happens? You said you you ha- you didn't get called out last night. I didn't get called out. So, last night. let's say you got called out last night. What's the the Operations. What happens? So I put on a suit and tie, or I, I usually at two put, in the morning you wake up. <laughs> yeah, I usually I usually try to get a tie on at least because that's it. Just shows respect for the family that yeah. I'm, yeah. you know I'm. So I go there. I go to wherever the person is located, and I um, bring them into my care, and I take them back to the funeral home. And I'm talking like super details because yeah. I'm very. It, I it, this boggles my mind because people die every day and we don't even hear about it or think about it mm-hmm. so they they pass away do you you have a gurney or you have a special a car yep, okay a you cot. have a cot yep. and then you have do you have a bag or i don't it, it, usually the cots have a cot cover okay yep. yep now do you work with somebody to um are two people on call or just you it, it depends so a whole like if somebody has died in their house it's a little bit different because we don't know what what the situation is okay. they, they could be somewhere that's not easily accessible so that would be more of the uh not autopsy. Why am I coroner? That'd be more of the coroner. Or are you a coroner? No, no, I am not a coroner. Coroners have to have a doctorate. In Ohio. Okay, so cor- <laughs> wow. so, yeah. so coroners. Pre- I guess let's let's dive into that just a little bit. What's it? What's a coroner do? A coroner, do you know what a coroner does? Yeah, a, a coroner is more involved if there's if there is mystery behind how the person died. Okay. A coroner would be brought in to help determine what the cause of death. Okay, was. so a mortician um, or an embalmer just prepares the body to be buried. A coroner operates on the body and to discover how they Yeah, died. so a mortician by definition essentially be someone that cares for both the dead and the living during a time of death. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, so you're talking hospital. Yes. Okay. So, so like so if I was going into a hospice, a nursing home, a hospital, 
usually one person can do that because the staff at those places are willing to assist you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if it's a home operation, sometimes you're brought in, but normally it's the coroner? No, no. If it's a home operation, we'll just bring two people okay. usually. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just bring two people. Okay. So, so from that point, so you put them on the cot, mm-hmm. get, them in the, get them in the car, in the van. Yep. The van. Mm-hmm. Yep. We just then drive town and country. So, and then we okay. bring them back to uh, our funeral home. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> and then we we would start the embalming process, I guess, if that's what the family's decided. So you have two routes. You have either what we would call traditional services, which is the embalming, the casket, the burial. We have cremation services, which is the cremation and the burial, or if they if they're taking him home or whatever like that. And then you can kind of combine both of them, where you can have a you can have a viewing of the body in the casket and then cremate after that, which a lot of people don't know about. A lot of people think it's one or the other, mm. but okay. I'm a, if, if you're, if you were thinking about cremation, I am such a strong proponent for traditional with cremation to follow is what we would call it because people, I, I heard you say the word closure. People think, Oh, if I see them in the, in the casket, that's closure for me. But instead of thinking if it's as, as of closure, it's more that you have the reality of the situation. Mm. Like you can start your grief process because you have the reality. And see that I heard a story about a guy who they were in a car accident and I don't know why the timeline was so messed up, but he couldn't go to the funeral Oh, or maybe he was in a coma or something. So all he knew when he woke, I think that's what it was is he was in a coma and when he woke up, his wife was in the ground. Yeah. I can't imagine that. It, those are those situations where you you don't want to get that phone call. No, <laughs> not at all. You don't know. You're what like, to do. well, cool. This yeah. is my life now. Yeah, yeah. So, so, oh, so anyways, so you have those options. Let's say someone picks embalming. Mm-hmm. What do you do? We we take them up to the embalming room. We have an actual embalming room. There's a lot of um, legalities and stuff like that where we have to have certain things in the embalming room. It has to be lit this way. It has to have ventilation. It has to have all these things because the chemicals inside the embalming room are pretty toxic. They're, mm. they're all carcinogens essentially. Um, but that they're, they all contain, or most of them contain formaldehyde or glutaraldehyde or some type of sterilizing component to it. Um, and the embalming process by definition is the temporary preservation of a body so that religious rites or gatherings can occur because without embalming the body starts to deteriorate really quick mm-hmm. really quick so because we have tons of bacteria in our body bacteria, already but our immune system is fighting it yeah and bacteria the blood is actually kind of sterilizes and keeps things in circulation so those things don't gather and if you're obviously dead your blood's not moving through your body so we need to if we're going to embalm or somebody's going to view somebody it needs to happen sooner rather than later um so that's why embalming happens a lot because people want to have the service a week or th- two days, three days, four days, a week after somebody has died. So Okay. Mm-hmm. How insensitive is this going to come across as? What is, <laughs> what is the worst embalming you've had to do? Because embalming, I'm assuming, also implies do you do the makeup and things as well or do you yep. have someone else? Dress, so you do dressing, the makeup, makeup dressing. hair. And then what we would call casking, put them in a casket. So that's all stuff that we do. We could, we bring in people if they have like a hairstylist or something, or especially on females, if they want their hair done, like blow dry and everything like that, we usually bring in a hairstylist to do that. So some, like you'll actually have somebody come in and do the hair. Yeah. How does that, how do they react? How does react? that conversation go? How do they react? Usually we, usually, I don't want to speak because I don't know, but I think most hairstylists have a course in their schooling so if they're licensed hairstylists correct correct okay. so and most of them are usually okay i mean it might freak them out but we don't 
we try to make it as <laughs> normal <laughs> as possible for them. Yeah, um, I can imagine that still be it's the difference between a class and real life. Correct has got to be. Uh, oh, rigor mortis kicks in. That's got to be a weird experience while you're doing their hair. Well, and like, so usually what we do. That's weird. <laughs> we'll move them out into All like, of the thoughts. <laughs> Anyways. We'll move them out into the chapel so it's not like they're not in the embalming They're not room. in the embalming yeah, room. Yeah, we, like, we'll try to do that. And we just want to make it so it's as comfortable for them as they can. So do they, do you set them up or how do you? No, just, just laying down. We're like, talking like, super oh, details yeah, here because yeah, you know, we're so really, I'm we're I'm really curious. curious. Well, there's a lot of myths out there and if I can help. I don't know any of, of the myths. Um, what, what else? This is this is fascinating. So, that's what I was asking. What is what is the worst embalming you've had to do? So that's that's a <clears throat> twofold question because worst can be a couple of things. So like psychologically, a child or a baby mm, that, is very difficult. Yep. Um, probably the worst down down in Cincinnati. At, um, I that was something I had to do in a situation. And it was very difficult. Um, but then up here, um any trauma that's that's an exceedingly difficult task because um yeah it's 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 just harder it, mm-hmm. it's there's so many technical things behind it you take an entire course just on like difficult embalmings down at school so it's yeah because people really don't think about the as as you said they don't think about the funeral directors they don't think that they they care about death mm-hmm. because they deal with it every day but like um this <laughs> super dark topic one of the things that I, when people bring up um, assisted suicide, mm-hmm. something they don't think about is the people that have to do them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a way different thing. That's taking a life. You're just, you are dealing with the shell, mm-hmm. but it's, it's gotta be hard on people that have to deal with death every day because you don't think about it. Now, I guess super duper, another super dark question that may be <laughs> cut. Who knows? Do you know if there's a suicide rate of funeral directors? It's, is there one? There is. It's it's up there in terms relative to other things. It's up there. I don't know. I think most funeral directors find good support systems because they know that this is a necessity. Like, you have to have somebody to talk to about this. So they yeah. find good support systems. So they can get a good therapist or just good friends. Yeah, and I would I would say the majority of the time, it's usually not a family member. No, I guess no, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I'm getting married in June. I talked to my fiance. Congratulations! About, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I talked to my fiance about um, some aspects of it, just because you have to get them off your chest. But um, I also don't want you don't want to give her all of that. I don't want to well. give her all of it. You know, I don't. I don't want to burden her with that because it is. So I have friends I graduated with that I'll call. If it, you know, I'm having a really tough day because they deal with the same and similar things and they get it. You know, so um, yeah. Yeah, that was actually one of my questions was how do you – because, you know, after a while, it's going to build up. Yeah. Um, and so I was you actually gotta, you curious. Gotta uh, like, do you – so you actually – so you have a support. I was like, do you actually go to, to see somebody or anything like that? But, yeah, that answered my question. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I know what, like, funeral directors do, and that might be something that I look into one day. I mean, I'm still pretty fresh into it. I haven't seen everything that my grandfather's seen or anything like that. But uh, And he probably ran some weird stuff <laughs> <laughs> because I – People die. We are like, it's so funny, not funny, but it's very bizarre. Like we are the most fragile thing in the world, but also we can do crazy things. Mm -hmm. Like you'll hear about a story about someone who tripped and fell off the curb and died. And you're like, wow. And then you'll hear about somebody who got crushed by a building and then lifted it up with all their limbs broken. And you're like, what? 
is this? Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I talk to my grandfather a lot because he's seen everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he used to run the ambulance service here in town as well. So, so um, he has seen everything. He, he has. So he's he's a very good person to talk to about that. But I, I like to talk to my friends um, that have that are in it every single day, and yeah, we check we check in on each other. It's it's definitely a a select group of people. Then we check in on each other all the time. So that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, because that's. It's crazy. It's like being, like you said, ambulance and police officers and that see that thing. So you got to get rid of your trauma, otherwise it'll get you. Yeah, yeah, which is important. Yeah, yeah. I I just deal with poop every day. Um, <laughs> no, not every day. I had a question and I lost it in my joke. Um, oh, it's gone. Well, I guess with like the embalming process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are so many myths. They think that, you know, it's a very barbaric procedure and everything like that. Um, it is one of the most reverent things I've ever seen and ever been a part of. To be able to take somebody, have somebody completely trust you to take their loved one after they had just died, take them into your care. It's one of the most reverent things. And that we are told down in school that our preparation room, our embalming room, is a very, very, very sacred place. Mm. And um, it's it's amazing what we do in the back. It's it's very reverent, and what we do back there is is a special thing. And you don't hear jokes. There are no jokes in the back room. It's it's all about caring for that person, and that person is still a person. You know, mm. when Our, you keep that perspective, it helps. I'm assuming. Yeah, because that person is still someone's loved one, and we take that very very seriously. And I think all funeral directors do. I mean, it, I would compare it to a doctor caring for someone's loved one. Yeah. And you, you want to be respectful to them because they're a person. And so it's people have, it, again, it depends on your religious belief or lack thereof, of whether you believe there's a soul or mm-hmm. what that is, what even that is. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have a belief in an afterlife, it's that's all they were yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. And so... I guess. Nope. <laughs> like our. I guess. What have you heard about barbaric? Why do people think it's barbaric? Well, and just to touch on that last part really quick, it's our primary responsibility. It says a lot. It's to the deceased. Our secondary responsibility is to the family, and the third responsibility is to ourselves, to make sure that we we are keeping up so that we can care for people. But mm-hmm. it speaks a lot that we we care for the deceased first. And that's, that's the truth. That's the goal. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, you hear about like in the shows and everything that it's like draining blood and everything like that. And that's just, that's not true. You can research about all the Do myths. We, can we get into the details of embalming? Exactly Maybe. what it is or Maybe. not? <laughs> I, so like embalming, it, there's a small incision made. Okay. And then it's essentially the displacement of blood. Because blood has a lot of bacteria in it. So we're trying to displace that so that the bacteria cannot continue to spread. So um, essentially that's what it is. It's, it's replacing the blood in the body with embalming fluid. Okay. That, that's at its rudimentary term. That's what embalming is. So it's, it's just to preserve the body. That's kind of curious. So is it pressurized? It's because you have to remove the one to mm-hmm. replace the other. So mm-hmm. it has to. Sorry, this is my HVAC You're good. going. Yeah, it is. Because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, because you have to be able to to remove the one you have to have pressure mm-hmm. um so you have to have the pressure to remove the one to add the other yeah and that's that's the technical stuff but it anywhere from 15 to 80 psi oh wow yeah 
I mean, the the body is ex- eighty psi. Yeah, I guess we do have miles of veins. Yeah, there, even, there's a lot to displace, and there's a lot. Going so it on. takes about a minute for it to go all the way around. You would, oh, wow. you would think that's so, a long time. Uh, but our bodies are extremely tough inside, and it's amazing the way that we've been designed as human beings. Like everything is protected because they're very, they're very vital things and if they get punctured or anything like that we can die like arteries and veins yeah but they're surrounded by muscles and by like fibrous tissue and everything like that so that it doesn't happen that way just falling easily yeah Yeah. so but yeah it's it our bodies are very tough so about 15 to 80 psi depending on what you're doing and that kind of thing does imagine the does imagine the the health of the the person when they pass away does that actually correct yeah yeah i mean if if you were dealing with some you know cholesterol stuff and stuff like that that can that can be a hindrance to the embalming process i mean it makes sense the the one thing i've been told by an embalmer before is that they died because something happened to them they didn't die because they were healthy so something's going on and it's our job and that's where our specialty comes in to make sure that we can still provide that meaningful service to a family through the embalming process hmm. Hmm. yeah i've been talking to my mom more and more i'm like everything happens in cycles mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what it is it starts at one point and it eventually ends at one point whether you're in water electricity uh, the human body mm-hmm. um, all these different things they all go into a circular pattern and yeah. it's it's amazing the more you look into it because uh, i've been going to school for this and stuff mm-hmm. and the more you learn the more you realize everything happens in cycles yeah yeah i, I think it's important that people understand that we don't embalm to be you know malicious or anything like that we have a we have an oath as funeral directors similar to the hippocratic oath okay of, you know you do no harm to both the living and the dead it's we're not here to hurt anybody we're here to try to help people in the best way that we can so uh, pe- people think that morticians are like weird or that you know they love death we really don't love death. I guess we love the, helping. That's the exact way they per, they portray them always in yeah. the movies and things. They're weird. They're the weird, creepy yeah. person. They got the top hats on with the long <laughs> coats and everything like that. I'm here to take the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and that's not who we are. Like most of us are just normal people. We like to go out. We like to, you know, go out to restaurants. We like music. We have like, hobbies. We're like you. Yeah. We're just like you guys. So, uh, you know, it. it's just we want to help people and that we find this ministry very rewarding it's very rewarding so how so if you have a family come up to you at the end of it and say thank you like just thank you it just touches you so much because it's just you understand that they don't a don't have to do that because they're grieving right now yeah b they're in the worst probably the worst part of their life Mm. right now because they're grieving somebody's the death of somebody and for them to come up and say that you help them in some way that to me is like that's the biggest reward yeah. you can it's get. It's like a Because it's drug. raw emotion, too. Yeah. So whatever's coming out is probably just... Correct. Just truthful. so truthful. And you'll have you'll have people... And the other thing is, like, people are afraid to show emotion in front of funeral directors. We see it all the time. And it mm. comes out in different ways. We, we get a lot of angry people at us. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because, you know, we didn't do something satisfactory to their... Or something like that. But some of it is just displaced anger, mm. which is fine because we know that and we try to deal with it. Um, but even those people that might have the displaced anger, they still come back and say, thank you. And we understand that people are going through things, you know, like we give, we will give you all the credit in the world. We're not going to assume that you, and and the other fact is, um, as you said, when normally when people pass away, there's a gathering. Mm -hmm. And if it's not a particularly close family, 
there's some things going on in that aspect. A lot of, of dynamics. It. A lot of dynamics. Mm. Yeah. Because something I have taken for granted my whole life is that my family gets along. Yeah. And my wife's family mostly gets along. But there's there's a few aspects of where they don't get along. Mm-hmm. And it's just an interesting dynamic of where when we'd gather for weddings or things, people wouldn't talk to other people. And yep. they would avoid other people. And so that would be really interesting. Not interesting, but very fascinating to me. It's the same word. Um, <laughs> it's in, a, in, a, in a funeral situation, because they're not only dealing with a death, they're dealing with family frustrations. And well, you're also p- looking at wills oh. and, and the giving away of wealth, which is adding a totally. Now, are you guys around aspect. for that? Or not we don't normally. we don't deal with the legality. I guess stuff yeah, they do usually, yeah. but that's before. But, but that I mean, still it's, comes it's, into play. It's already in play because they probably know what's going to happen in this kind of thing, and um, that's why it is. I thank families when they come in and they put all of that aside and they're focusing on their loved one, making sure that they're remembered properly, memorialized properly. Like I thank families all the time. Like you guys are doing an amazing thing for your loved one mm. by just coming in here putting everything aside if you have it and just saying let's take care of dad let's take care of mom let's you know let's do what's best for them and remember the beautiful life that they had yeah so what is the biggest funeral and the smallest funeral that you've ever had to direct (laughs) i worked a two-person funeral there are two people in the in the place um and i've worked up to 800 (laughs) oh my goodness goodness. And they're completely two dynamics. I mean, it's crazy. Well, first of all, you have to figure out where you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Just the just the logistics <laughs> of it. That's the first eight hundred person yeah. funeral. That well, is... and actually, I lied. I forgot. I did in Cincinnati. I worked a funeral that was closer to a thousand people. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. Mm-hmm. Yep. So a semi-famous person. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I can't. And then who? What? I can't remember which funeral it was that had millions of people. Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the. Maybe it was just Bonnie. I don't remember. But her funeral was attended by, I think, a quarter million or something like that. Not her funeral, but her funeral procession was yeah. going down the street and these people Correct. were rolling around. And that is that is an insane – that's a completely different thing than what we're talking about because you're actually directing a funeral. Yeah, that's different. But was, that's like, that's different, but it's the like, same thing with like, the, the soldier that, uh, that dived in Afghanistan or wherever. And they actually did like yeah. real it – was, it was well over yeah. several hundred thousand people. And those are those – are, like we've had retired – firefighters and that kind of thing die and they bring all, all the fire trucks and the ambulances and it's it's really cool to have you know six seven eight first responder vehicles in the thing and on one in one in particular they uh they actually put the casket up on top of the fire truck and that that's, was the hearse mm, and i was that's like that neat. that is that's that a way cool. to go out if you're a firefighter that is really cool that's really neat yeah they, they i've heard that they have a really special uh a way of sending off the the person and is they actually do one last oh. call on, oh my the, on the sirens you want to talk about you want to talk about goosebumps out there at the cemetery when they do the one last call oh it's, man it rivals taps because taps i mean we do a lot of veterans services and um taps every time gets me all choked up because it's but that one last call whew, it's oh taps with amazing emotional. grace on the bagpipes <laughs> oh yeah i had one of those i had i had all three in one Oh, oh my goodness! It was. It was. Yeah. How did you? How many tears did you shed? That <laughs> day? I, I think I held them all back, but I was like, like it went from oh my chills goodness. to like shaking because it was just so reverent and beautiful. Wow. And, yeah. There's something about 
Yeah, the send off that they do for soldiers and and please like it's because it's, it's a brotherhood. It's it, it is. Yeah, it's such a neat way to send people off. Because yeah. people remember it for a long time in the flag folding. Oh, that's so cool. If if you don't mind, I'd like to get into something that like really personal to Ooh, me. Yeah. Celine Dion lost her husband. I don't know, probably a couple of years ago. And in the death care, she's like a rock star in the death care f- world because she took a funeral where she didn't have to be open and public about it. I mean, she's a celebrity. Millions of people were watching that service. Mm-hmm. If you watched her service, the casket was open. The world could see her husband in the casket, and she made it as public as possible. And that's something that people can't even do around here. Like, they don't want to do that. And mm. uh, for me— Well, it seems really weird to be like, we're live streaming Grandma's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> see, saying out loud sounds weird because Correct. it's it Grandma's funeral. But— if you have family members that can't come home, yeah, it kind of makes sense. It just seems real weird. Yeah. Oh, and not even like the live stream, but just like that she opened herself up yeah. for that. Like she was, she wasn't like stoic either. She was breaking down. She was crying. I mean, she wasn't trying to hide anything. Mm. And family, it's it's hard because families don't want to open up and be that vulnerable in front of the public. But you know, the one thing that we try to stress is, and as funeral directors, is you need that kind of public gathering. And so often families decide not to do that and that's fine if that's what they need because obviously we're here to serve not to yeah tell people what to do but it was just very meaningful to see her do that and i would love to see that happen for all people i i hope that they can see the meaning in it because i would imagine if you had if you had the opportunity to do one service where it was private and one service that was public you would find you would find that it helped you out a lot in your grieving process and emotionally if you did the public one Hmm. we had another uh, we did another interview with a friend of ours, uh, Harry Daniels, and he actually did a TED talk about death from, mm-hmm. I, maybe it was a religious, he, he was talking about it from a uh, officiate yeah. point of view. But one of the things he said was not, was being honest about the dead. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a family say that they want to do all private services. Now, granted, they want to do full traditional services, but it was just going to be private family. And one of the other relatives said, you know, I think that we should have it public. I think that's what that's what they would have wanted. So they had everybody come in and they made it all public. And at the end, she said to us, she goes, that was so much better than what I thought it was going to be. Because people are scared that, you know, they think people are going to judge me. Well, nobody's walking through the line is going to judge you if you're crying at the loss of your mom Mm -hmm. or dad. You know, like, no. And at the end of it, she was like, all the support, the people came out, they were all hugging me. They were saying, you know, if you need anything, let me know. And she's like, I needed that. And I would urge families to do it if you can, if you can. Um, and I would urge to have the body present in a casket as well, because it, you find so much more meaning, or you can find a lot of meaning in it. And you can find a lot of meaning in cremation too. I've seen, some of the, the most memorable services or the most meaningful services I've worked have been cremation families because they are just very good at finding unique ways to remember. But there's something about having a casket there. It's it's a truly inspiring and memorable time. Hmm. So, as as you said, it, it makes it real. It makes it real. All right. What else? Did you have anything you wanted to talk about specifically? Or anything that came to mind that you wanted to tell two <laughs> random other people you just met today? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I uh, talk talk to funeral directors if you're in the grocery store. the The worst thing for us is seeing some a family member that we've just cared for 
because we can tell that they don't want to be around us and we understand that because we're they remember us for something else um but we're just normal people we're just normal people we want to help so we're trying to get out in the community as much as we can if you look at a lot of community uh groups and stuff like that usually there's a funeral director involved somewhere in it because we're here to serve our communities not ourselves that's true you do see that and then i always think that that's kind of weird a funeral director. It's like be, seeing your teacher. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's kind of the, one of the weird things, but it, it makes sense, you know, that you, you're trying to be a part of the community and stuff yeah. and reach out. You're not just trying to be weird. <laughs> well, again, the other thing is the way morticians are almost always portrayed is yeah. weird and yeah. creepy. And it's like, no, we're just, as, as weird as it sounds, we're just doing a job that needs done. Yeah. And, you know, and we find meaning and value in doing this so you guys obviously can find meaning and value helping people the way you do pastors find it you know by this way you could a doctor finds it by helping people this way funeral directors find meaning by this i mean that's just what we do this is what we decided that allows us to get fulfillment out of it so if somebody is interested in this Mm -hmm. how do you get started call funeral home call funeral homes in the area see if you can shadow a funeral director for a day um for legal purposes, you're probably not going to be able to, you know, dive right into it just because there's a lot of like privacy issues and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but call a funeral director. Again, we're trying, if people are interested in it, we want to help them do it because it's a very niche market. I mean, it, it, there's like 6,000 of us in Ohio, which is, there's, That's ele- it? <laughs> there's 11 million people yeah. in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Only 6,000 are funeral directors. So it's a very small, like, if I had... If, if you I think needed, you can emotionally handle it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I, if I needed some help from Cincinnati, someone in Cincinnati, I could. I know somebody I could call. If I needed someone in Cleveland, I know somebody I could call. Like, it's a very small group of people. We all kind of know each other. So connections are important. Build build up a connection basis, just like anything. Um, and what's what's the college name you should go to? The only one the that's the best. Cincinnati College of Mortuary Science. <laughs> Okay, it, we call it the Harvard of co- uh, mortuary colleges. The Harvard, it's the, it's the oldest. 1882. 1882. Wow. I guess yeah, we've been burying people since forever. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. Okay, this might sound a little financially. Yeah. What does it look like um, in your position? Like, how much do you make a year? Just out of curiosity. How much does a funeral director make a year? Th- roughly. There we go. So roughly. Av- average. It all depends. So they're corporate corporate funeral homes and they're non-corporate or family owned 85 percent of funeral homes are family owned 15 percent are corporate it it all depends and it depends on your experience level um, apprentices like myself don't make as much as licensees because we don't have we can't do everything that a licensee can do yeah that's um, interesting we call it a journeyman continue yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so i would say the median i think the median salary of a funeral director in the last whatever was around forty five thousand dollars a year Mm-hmm. Um, your bottom 10%, which would be like your entry would be closer to the 35 mark. And then, you know, upper, the further you go, you're probably looking at 60,000. And, and then if you, if you actually own the homes, you're probably looking at a little bit more. Well, yeah. Okay. That, there's this, cause you're saving money by doing that. Cause you don't have to, cause that's something I don't think about is if you don't own the home, you have to rent it out. How does that work? Well, like yeah, I mean, we, we own funeral homes where we can have funerals. But a funeral, 
you if you're going to be a funeral director you should probably be working for someplace that actually has a funeral because there's just a lot of like you have to have this you have to have this you have to have a room to hold things you have to you know that kind of thing (laughs) i guess that's something you don't think about uh if you're a plumber you can you know go out on your own yeah not so much doesn't work really (laughs) as well if you're a funeral director you can't can't hold like on like you know when you know (laughs) you know when you're a lawyer and you're like working for a company you're like oh no i don't want to work for this for johnson johnson and johnson and johnson anymore (laughs) i'm gonna go out on my own and be johnson yeah you can't do that with funeral directors. It's really very hard. easy. There's a high startup cost because you have to buy yeah. the building, you have to buy the equipment, everything like that. It's a high startup cost. Yeah, especially if you're doing, you know, your fear of mortuary and I mean, all that different things. It's going to get really expensive really quick. It's not impossible. There, I mean, there are, there are loan companies that will help start funeral homes, and yeah, but it's it's very difficult to do. So going way back, you said there there are funeral directors that are not embalmers. Yes, you can be. So I have a I will have what is called a dual licensure. So I'll have my funeral directors and my embalming license. Um, so it'd be a full mortician. Yeah. And there's a stigma that because we wear a suit every single day and, you know, we get to drive the nice cars. Well, those are all the cars are owned by the business and the suits we have to. It's like a dress code. But people are like, oh, funeral directors, they take advantage of people because they're charging a lot of money and they make a lot of money and everything. It, that is just not the case. I mean, there probably are some. There are. There are much some. like every business yeah. and ever. There are definitely people gouging people. Oh yeah. yeah, and the corp, the corporate, the owners of the corporate funeral homes are probably making a good amount of money. But a small town funeral homes, you know, we don't, we're not in it for the money. I mean, um, we don't have good hours. We're around some really crappy <laughs> subject matter every single day, and yeah. we don't make good money. We're we only do it to help people. I mean, and that's just the truth. It's a calling, that's really. All all funeral directors around this area, it, we we don't do it for the money. I can assure you that because if we did, then we'd be really bad at. Doing it for the money because we don't make a lot of money, but we do it to help people. So, all right, this is another weird topic because mm-hmm. this is, anyways. Um, what what is your what do you do in a, a mass death situation? So, there's actually organizations that deal with what we would call disaster situations. Okay, there's a national like if a tornado came through and yes. Because Ohio is actually somewhat known for tornadoes. There's not a whole lot of death, at least in our particular area. But if a tornado came through, as you were saying. Yeah, yeah. So there are organizations. There are organizations. Uh, they're under different government agencies. Um, like, I actually Like FEMA. And, it, it, I guess was, it, it was at one time. It's no, it's no longer. But it's. Um, I had to take a class in, in Mortuary College. It was, it was actually a really interesting class because we looked into some of the bigger mass fatalities. But um, it's called DMORT and OMORT. So OMORT is the state level, the Ohio Mortuary Response Team, and then DMORT is the national level. Um, and they, if a national tragedy happens, um, they're usually called in to handle the mass fatalities. So like when, when the towers were down or Correct. other things, or Katrina. Joplin, or, Missouri. Yeah. Um, Puerto Rico. Um, they were involved in that. Plane crashes, if, mm. it's, if it's bigger. I, I don't know all the details about it, really, but I know that I know that it's not just funeral directors on these teams. There are like pathologists and dental people that can do dental records. Like, there's a bunch of people on the teams. Yeah, I guess that would be discovering who people are sometimes, mm-hmm. depending yeah. on the but tragedy. For for funeral directors, if we're not in the news, that's a good day. Yeah, like we don't want to be in the news. We, no, we're, I, I guess that's another aspect of our job. We don't do this to get in the limelight. So it's yeah. like, no, not yeah. normally. That's not. This really isn't something. for fame, you know. Uh, but. Um, so they try to just go in and do what they can as reverently as possible. 
and and leave and leave so you're uh, definitely behind the curtain uh kind of person yeah so kind of both yeah (laughs) yeah we're in the community in the suit and that's where you see us but if you walked into the office any other day we'd probably be in you know khakis and a polo or like i mow the lawns so it's like some days you'll walk in i'll be in jeans and a t-shirt because i'm mowing the lawns like we wear so many hats throughout the day what you when you see us in the suit that's like five percent of our days so yeah well caleb do you have any other questions no i'm good well thank you so much adam for joining us on this podcast it was it was very educational and (laughs) interesting i enjoyed that this was fun it was it was a blast it's educational it should be better Yes, that's better. I guess saying it's a blast is not really a good idea. But and thank you for was, having me on. I yeah, appreciate it. It was it was appreciate very interesting and a lot of information. Yeah, uh, contact your local funeral director. They they want to help. So if you're dealing with stuff or you need help or you just want to know more about it, contact your local funeral director. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, be sure to check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. And you can watch us here on YouTube if you want to see Adam's face or Caleb's face or my face. <laughs> If you have a topic you want us to cover or if you want to be on the podcast, you can message us on morningeggnog at gmail.com or Facebook and Instagram. If you want to see what's going on in the podcast and what we're going to be doing, check us out and follow us there. That's right. So thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful morning, noon, or night. See ya. Here we go.